a couple months ago, Caitlin and I got to do something that almost nobody around here gets to do. I got to take a T-shirt, actually the T-shirt that I'm wearing right at this moment, right off the line, like fresh out the oven from the factory where it was made in Chittagong, Bangladesh. Ashu, can I put on a T-shirt? That's the finished shirt, right? Yeah. We're surrounded by the people here who sewed this shirt together. And so at this point, when we look at this T-shirt, it is a crazy feeling. We know more, me and Caitlin, about the people who made this shirt than about any of the rest of the clothes that we wear. We know this really intimate story about the lives of the people who sewed it together. And that's the story we have for you today. It's about falling in love. It's about betrayal that can't be forgiven. It's about family. It's about two sisters. Two sisters who worked on the Planet Money men's t-shirt. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Zoe Chase. And I'm Caitlin Kenny. Bangladesh has gone through some huge changes in the last 30 years. The clothing industry there has just exploded. And it's changing the lives of the people who live there. Today on the show, we bring you the story of those changes, as experienced by two sisters who made our shirt, Shumi and Minu. Shumi and Minu work here. At Deluxe Fashions Limited in Chittagong, Bangladesh, it's this big, bright room. There are hundreds of women in here, some men too, sitting at sewing machines. Shumi, the younger of the two sisters, her job was to sew the sleeve. The older sister, Minu, she worked on all parts of the t-shirt. She jumps and points to the different parts of the shirt that she's worked on. Side seam, siluetas. Side seam? Siluetas, bottom rolling. The side seam. She attached the front and the back of the t-shirt together. These sisters sit at these sewing machines six days a week, about 10 hours a day. They make 6,000 taka a month. That's about $80 U.S. And that's in the middle of the pay scale here in Bangladesh. The minimum wage in Bangladesh right now is just $39 a month. And that is the lowest in the world for this type of work. And there's lots of talk right now about raising it, like tomorrow, like in the next few days or months. Right now, Bangladesh is in the middle of these huge protests and riots over what the new wage number is going to be. And in future podcasts, we're going to talk more about wages. But right now, $80 each a month buys these sisters a small room a short bus ride away from the factory in this slum, Rofabad colony. To find it at night, we squeeze between these two buildings, right? We make our way along the wall, and then we just spill out into the neighborhood. It's all these box-like apartments that are just crammed up all topsy-turvy on top of each other. Yeah, we're following Minu down this dark alley, and when we go up the stairs, we almost hit our head on this piece of wood that's just sort of sticking out of the ceiling. Up here. Up the stairs. Okay. The building feels like someone just started building it and then stopped in the middle, and it's just packed with people, all these different generations, like little kids and grandmas sticking their heads out the windows and out the doors to look at us. We're foreigners. They want to see what we look like. They want to see what we're doing here. So we follow Minu up the stairs to the sister's room, and it feels like this room is just plunked in the middle of the roof. Like It does not seem well planned. She invites us inside, and we go in the room. It's dark. 
The power's out here yet again, and the only source of light in this room is this flickering candle. Okay. No, no, Ashen, Ashen, Ashen. It's okay. 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 Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So Minu is the older one. She is in her mid-20s. She is cynical. She's kind of a fast talker. She likes to chew tobacco wrapped in beetle leaf. It's starting to stain her lips a little bit red. And she has this seven-year-old daughter who lives back in the village with her grandparents. I miss her, she says. And if she were here now, I'd be putting little clips in her hair. But there's nobody to watch her daughter while she's here at work all day. Shumi, the younger sister, is 19. And where Minu is reserved, Shumi is bubbly. Where Minu's serious, Shumi is always smiling. She loves her makeup, she spends a lot of time doing her hair, and it's really hard for her to get through any story without laughing. Today at work, she says she and her friends were throwing clothes at each other, and it was so funny. Shumi and Minu look out for each other in the city. They pool their money to split the rent and bills, they share the household chores, and they share this tiny room with Minu's husband. Minu and her husband usually sleep on the floor. Minu says she likes to give her baby sister the bed. At night, they pull a curtain between them for privacy. Minu's husband works, but he's a day laborer, and his income, when it happens, is not reliable. It's basically up to her and Shumi to cover the rent and the food. The sisters cook and eat all their meals together. Tonight, it's Minu's turn to make dinner. There's a bunch of vegetables bubbling up. And what is this? It's vegetable curry. Tonight's dinner, tomorrow's breakfast and lunch. One dish, three meals in a row for both of them. To cook, they share these two little gas burners outside their room with their neighbors. There are two big tubs of cold water outside their room. Shumi wants to go wash up, and so she heads into the shower stall and just dumps the cold water over her head. This is the world behind our T-shirts, behind lots of our clothes. A tiny concrete room shared by three people. A life that, by Western standards, looks pretty wretched. But four million people in Bangladesh are essentially making the same choice that Shumi and Minu made to move to the cities, to work long hours for very little money, to work in the garment industry. To understand that choice, to understand that calculation, it's helpful to know where these sisters are coming from. It's a trade-off between the life they would have had in the village they grew up in and the tiny room they live in now. The village where they grew up is about two hours away. To get here, the sisters take a bus to a motorized rickshaw. And then they walk through the rice paddy's home. When we get there, lunch is cooking. In the village where Shumi and Minu grew up, their mom cooks in the back room. And the difference between her life and her daughter's lives is very clear. No gas burners here. It's a fire pit made from mud. There are holes underneath to stick branches into, and the room fills with smoke when she cooks. Minu and Shumi grew up cooking like this, with sticks instead of gas. Outside their house, there's this pond. It's the bathtub, the dishwasher, the laundromat. You're the father of Shumi and Minu. Their father's name is Abdul Jabbar, and he used to be the only one in the family making any money. And he didn't make enough. The consequences were horrible. 
Three of his daughters died before they were seven. They were eating dirt, they got sick, and he couldn't afford to take them to the doctor. Still remember them at times and feel bad because it's my daughters, my kids. It feels emptiness in our family. What Shumi remembers about this time is that there wasn't enough to eat. We eat three times, but sometimes our parents are not eating because the lack of food. They just give their foods to us because we are little. If I ask you to close your eyes and, and picture what it was like when you were growing up, you know, what do you see? What do you feel? I feel so sad, she says. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you cry. Yeah. Now, things have really changed in this family. Shumi and Minu send money back to the village. So does another sister who works at a different garment factory in the city. And you can see how that's changed things right here in the kitchen. The stove is the same as what they had growing up, but what's inside the pot is different. What is it? Murgi. Murgi. It's chicken. Back before the sisters made money, this family rarely ate meat. Now, the sisters' holiday bonuses pay for all the chicken and fish they want. Factory money has paid for a new house for Shumi and Minu's parents. The house they grew up in was made of bamboo. It leaked. This house is made of brick. It's watertight. The money they send home keeps their younger brother in school. It keeps Minu's daughter in school. For millions of young women like Shumi and Minu, making T-shirts, like the Planet Money T-shirt, have transformed their lives. This particular set of circumstances, leaving the village, moving to the city, sending money back to the village, this is a story that's repeated itself in various times throughout history. There were Shumis and Minus in China in the 90s, in South Korea in the 70s, in Japan in the 30s, in the U.S. at the turn of the century. And all these women were making essentially the same calculation. Move to the city, earn a little bit more money. But there's this other thing that happens when millions of young women start to earn their own money. There's a cultural shift. And that's happening here in Bangladesh. You can see this shift just in the couple years difference between Shumi and Minu. For Minu, the older sister, she's had very few choices of her own to make. In some ways, her life is a lot more like her mother's. When Minu became a teenager, her father began to worry about getting her married. In Bangladesh, uh, it's, it's a burden to have uh, girls not get married. It's a big burden for me. Why is it a burden to have daughters in the house? Because when they grow up, they, we, I have to uh, spend money on their fooding, lodging. So it becomes a big burden. So if they marry, she will go to another boy's house. This is the law. For centuries we have seen this. Like my forefathers also got uh, their daughters married. This is the rule of this country, Bangladeshi rule. They have to get married. Marrying Minu off meant she became her husband's burden, not her father's. And Minu's family thought the man they chose for their daughter had money. He paid for the wedding. That was a big relief. But Minu's parents were wrong. The man they chose didn't have much money. And that's why Minu went to work in the garment factories. When Minu thinks back on it, 
She says she was just a kid back then. If she knew then what she knows now, she would have fought this choice that her parents made for her. If I have the uh, mental situation uh, that time, like now, then I'm not getting married with him. Minu is unhappy in her marriage. Minu's husband is pretty jealous. They fight a lot. He's always going through her phone, she says, checking the numbers she's called, accusing her of cheating. So are you mad that your parents forced you to do this? I'm not capable to forgive my parents because they just destroyed my life. Since Minu left home, she almost never comes back to the village to visit, even though her daughter lives there. It's just really painful for her to face her parents. Minu had no choice. She had to marry a man chosen by her parents. But by the time her younger sister Shumi was marrying age, the rules were changing in Bangladesh. When Shumi was 15, there was another path, another way of bringing money into your family that didn't involve marrying a man you hardly knew. By the time Shumi was in her early teens, there were over 2.5 million people working in the garment industry, the majority of them women. Both Shumi's older sisters were working in factories, and Shumi would go to visit them in the city. Shumi went to visit Minu one January, and she went to her factory's New Year's Day party. At the party, she met a manager at the factory, a beautiful woman who wore Western clothes. Shumi says she wanted to be like that woman. She was smart and kind and healthy. What do you mean she's healthy? She's fat. She's fat. Yeah, she's fat. You can't get fat without plenty to eat. So Shumi decided to drop out of school and join her sister, Minu, at the factory. She was in seventh grade. Minu thought it was the right thing to do. The family still needed money, and this way Shumi could help. That was years ago. Today, the two sisters work at a different factory. Our factory, the factory making the Planet Money t-shirt. Shumi and Minu have each worked at three different factories, and every time they switched, they were able to make a little more money. The fact that Shumi's young and unmarried means she gets to be selfish. Minu has to send all her money home for her daughter's school. Shumi sends some money back to her parents, but she also has her own bank account. And she's saving for something special, something that shows what a different world she's living in compared to the one her sister grew up in. I just saved the money if I needed for my marriage, then I uh, use the money for my marriage. For your marriage? So I gotta ask, do you have a groom in mind? (laughs) Yes? Yes. Yes. What's his name? Shumi is blushing and laughing, and she won't tell me his name. They work together. Why don't you want to tell me? Is it secret? Is it a secret romance? Yeah, it's secret. Oh, (laughs) forbidden romance. Very intriguing. Did you talk to him tonight? Yes. (laughs) It's secret because her boyfriend is Hindu and Shumi is Muslim. Back in the village, her father would never let her talk to a boy who wasn't a relative, let alone a Hindu. But here in the city, she and her boyfriend take rickshaw rides together. He buys her jewelry. They hold hands. He tells her he loves her. Minu, her older sister, she does not approve of Shumi's relationship. He's Hindu, and that is a big problem for her. Shumi's parents don't approve either. They keep pressuring her to marry someone else and just give up on her boyfriend. 
Just a couple months ago, they had a really big fight about it. I told them I'm not getting married with your choice. If I get married to someone, then it should be my boyfriend. And if you guys not agreed with my marriage, then I'm not getting married all of my lifetime. Wow, that's a pretty big thing to say to your parents. I can't imagine your dad liked hearing that. How did he react when you said that? My father told me that uh, you are uh, not listening any other's uh, word. Uh, you are just all the time uh, following your own rules. You are just uh, lead your life in your own decision. If you just uh, lead your life like that, this is bad for us. Her father's message was clear. Your independence is embarrassing this family. But really, what's her father going to do? These jobs have changed the power dynamic for families in Bangladesh. Shumi has the paycheck. Shumi gets to make the choice. Her father isn't in charge anymore. For Minu, these battles have already been lost. Maybe it explains why she's so cynical. Her parents have already determined the course of her life. But here in the city, in the small room that she shares with Shumi, there are some things that make Minu happy. Ask Minu, what's your favorite thing in this room? She'll say. Uh, everything is here is all of my favorites because all of things I buy with my salary. Okay, but there is one thing in particular that makes her especially proud. It's the tiny TV in the corner. Minu loves the soap operas, so dramatic. And Minu still got the box that the TV came in. It's up on display on the shelf. I feel too good still now because I bought this TV with my salary. And uh, when I was free, I just watched TV and I feel too good. I feel too good when I watch it, she says. This is the world behind our T-shirt. Two sisters, tiny room, watching TV they bought with their own money. In many cases, this is the best scenario. In Bangladesh, as every time in history when happened, seeking a new life comes with these huge risks. When we were there, we talked to workers who'd been yelled at. Shumi said at the first factory she worked at, she'd been screamed at, and she'd seen managers hit other workers. People as desperate as Shumi and Minu can get taken advantage of by this industry. Shumi got her first job by lying about how old she was. Her first boss looked the other way. She was just 14. And as we now know in Bangladesh, these factories can be deadly. Just this year, there have been several fires that have killed people. Workers got trapped inside. And one of the worst industrial accidents in modern memory happened this year in Bangladesh, when the factory at Rana Plaza collapsed, killing more than 1,000 people. People that were making the clothes that we wear. People making the same trade-offs that Shumi and Minu made. Shumi and Minu say they don't worry about their safety at work. Their factory is one of the better ones here. It's got fans. It's got fire exits. But Shumi and Minu are still really close to the edge. It seems that if one person in this family had to stop working, they could get close to being hungry again. This trade-off they've made only takes them so far. Minu has dreams for her daughter, that she'll be able to work in an office or a bank not in one of the garment factories. But right now, the garment industry is pretty much the only game in town. 80% of Bangladesh's exports are garments. So Minu's daughter's future depends on the industry branching out, growing, creating other new industries, other opportunities for the next generation of Shumis and Minus. 
you get a fast car. I want a ticket to anywhere. Maybe we make a deal. Maybe together we can get somewhere. Any place is better. Starting from zero, got nothing to lose. Maybe we'll make something. Next time on the show, we go to Colombia, where the women's T-shirt is cut and sewn. And we find out a whole lot about what life is like in a place where the garment industry isn't the only game in town and what that means for the workers there. I got a plan to get us out of here, been working at the convenience store. Managed to save just a little bit of money, won't have to drive too far. Just cross the border and into the city, you and I can both get jobs before we go today, there's a bunch of people we want to thank who helped us with our reporting when we were in Bangladesh and also since, you know, we've now been back in America. We want to thank Samima Sheila, who is one of our translators, who you heard as the voice of Shumi and Minu. We also want to thank Imu Bura. She also helped us with translation. Ashraf Huda, he was a local fixer. Anurban Gash helped us with translation back here in the U.S., Ashudash Bishwas and Muhindin Chowdhury at the Clifton Group, Stephanie Pang at Jackie. And there is someone else, someone very special, who we want to thank as well. Our main fixer, translator, all-around helper in Chittagong was Salman Saeed. He's a local journalist there. You heard him as the voice of Shumi Aminu's father. He worked with us very closely along with a local female journalist in Chittagong who did not want to be named. But they helped us find Shumi Aminu and helped us bring you their story. So thank you to them. Thank you so much, you guys. And we would be remiss to not mention Pietro Rivoli who wrote The Travels of a T-Shirt in the Global Economy. She was the inspiration for all of the reporting. As always, we want to know what you thought of today's show. You can email us, planetmoney at npr.org. And please, please visit our blog, npr.org slash money, if you want to see pictures of Shumi and Minu and their family. I'm Caitlin Kenny. I'm Zoe Chase. Thanks for listening. So I remember when we were driving, driving in your car. Speed so fast, it felt like I was drunk. City lights lay out before us And your arm felt nice wrapped round my shoulder And I, I had a feeling that I belonged I, I had a feeling I could be someone Be someone, be someone